Welcome to the Dad's Night Podcast, where ridiculous becomes reality. We're your dad hosts. I'm Chris Parrish. And I'm Tommy Reed. Today on our special Mother's Day edition, we're joined by Sarah Kersey, a UCLA PhD in children's education, whose baked goods are so unbelievable that I asked her to be my son's godmother. We'll talk cooking tips and tricks, being a working mom, as well as her thoughts on the impact of the last two years on our nation's school children. We'll also recap my trip to Mexico for spring break. Let's go. Oh, that is... I love to watch you dance. That's how I know it's podcast night. It just feels so good. Yeah, and you're good. You you got good moves. You know, it's all about the vibe. Um, Tommy, I'm back from Mexico. How was it, Chris? Well, number one, it it sucked not having a podcast last week. I didn't... even Even in Mexico on Tuesday, it just felt abnormal something was missing something something was missing so that was a sad day but it was good you know we uh we went to punta mita uh which is you fly into puerto vallarta i think i've said this take a 40 minute shuttle to punta mita there are about eight families we all know each other we all go to punta mita and then you go behind a gated community so it's like kind of like king kong's world where the gate opens up and exactly because you need that gate there because you don't want anybody sneaking out and getting any culture because that would be bad um, we had a good time. The weather was fantastic. We stayed uh, with some friends of ours, the Sheans, uh, at a place called Las Palmas, um, which is uh, Spanish for the Palmas. And we had a pool. And, uh, you know, we go to the beach clubs, hang out. It's wonderful. You sit down. They bring you drinks. They bring you food. Kids are going in the water. Um, we had a couple dinners. You know, you go out uh, into the little town there, and they got a couple restaurants where you're really, like, eating, like, right on the beach. Oh, that's cool. Um, and they've got all these vendors who come by and just everything the vendors are selling are something that the kids just absolutely have to have right now. Even so, if they've already got two more bracelets, they need the third one or they're going to die. So there was a lot of that. It was fun. Yeah. Because you got to get the street vendors stuff. Or you got to get their stuff. The hookah beads I, and the, all that stuff. The trip stuff. is ruined. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah, yeah. this. You know, so it was a fun Let me week. ask you, did you negotiate with them? I did I negotiate. Doing that. I did no, do it. No. Yeah. So one of the, I have very few qualities. But I would say that I can speak Spanish fairly well. I would say I'm 99th percentile. Un poquito. Uh, I get down there, I'm just a dumb American, but they're very patient gringo. with me. You're, yeah, you're I'm, gringo. Yeah, I'm a gringo. Tall gringo. Um, so, yeah, you negotiate with them. You know, just kind of like, listen, I'm not really sold on this bracelet. You can see he's so wearing So you start two. walking away. You do the yeah, old walk I got, away. I got to walk away. The problem is I'm walking away two feet from now, and now they're watching me eat. Um but I mean, I got some good deals, so we we brought it back, and it's it's already sitting on their nightstand, and they've forgotten about it. So it was great; it was a good investment. Did you go grocery shopping before you went to behind the King Kong? <sighs> kind of that that was a thing. Um, I love the grocery shop. Yep. Uh, I love to go into towns uh, and go into the grocery stores and just seeing what's what. Um, and you know, when you stop and when you when you stay in some of these places, you can pay somebody to go grocery shopping, right? What? Wow. We, and you get there, and everything's stocked. And for me, it's a nightmare. But I think for normal people, that seems like a convenience. So did you, like, I would want to just get in and get out. I would want to get my beer, my yeah, necessities, that's and just get that's out. That's not me. Especially I need to do a quick walkthrough. Like, you really want to spend time in a grocery store in Mexico? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And it wasn't Costco? There was no Costco. Oh, However. Cool. So you um, couldn't go to the far left. No but, no, but the little shop in town, actually, they buy stuff from Costco. And then you could buy, like, so Kirkland like a- Vodka is, like, 30 bucks there, where it's, it's twenty one ninety nine now. I was just there today. 
Um, so we negotiated because, like, you know, you get in the car, like the kids and the wives, they don't want to sit in a car for 45 minutes while you're perusing through, like, the grocery store. They just want to get there, which I understand. So the negotiation was we got there, we checked in, and then I immediately took the golf cart to the local shop, which is, I would say, kind of like a mini Bristol Farms there. It's called the Ollie, right? And when you pass the Ollie, there's also a shop right on the corner called OXO, O-X-X-O, which is just like a 7-Eleven. And it has every shitty Mexican beer you could possibly want it. Just wonderful prices. So you stock up at OXO. You go to the grocery store. You get your things. You know, I, wife likes to have avocado toast. You know, got to have it. Get some avocados, all that stuff. So I was able to stock up. Nobody called me and asked me how long I was going to be. So that was Were good. they Haas avocados from Mexico? They weren't. They were uh, avocados. Oh. I, I don't know what brand that is. But. All right. So, folks, just so you know, this is our uh, three-dub section. This is our where you going, what you're doing, and what you're excited about. And Love Chris it. is obviously very excited about his trip to Mexico. I'm which, very excited. Um, I'm excited it, to be home, too. Yeah, see, that's the beautiful thing. I mean, you're so excited to get there. You're yeah. there. And you guys had great. I see. I mean, I saw some pictures. You guys had beautiful water in the ocean. Beautiful weather, beautiful Looked water. Like the pools were amazing there, too. Amazing. Kids can kind of run around. You got to keep an eye on them. Everybody gets along. That's great. Um, there's kind of wasn't a lot of pressure to be moving from one place to another. I think most slow. of the time. So everything was slow. Everything was slow. That's great. <laughs> well, that's how it should be on a spring break. It should you be, know? yeah. And as long as there's activities for the kids. Good times. We went, uh, a bunch of them went ziplining on Tuesday. Oh, nice. My son Vetter is, uh, just turned seven. He didn't want to go, which was great. He and I just kind of putzed around town and had some beers. and Pasanales. Pasanales. And uh, um, it was that was fun. And then Thursday, we went on a boat. Nice. You rent this boat. And you go out. Yeah. Um, and you're on a boat. I, I saw the boat had like a bunch of masseuses. There, yeah. So you guys were getting massages. Some of a... some of the individuals were getting massages. So I was not. I was. Uh, I gave my son Dramamine. Uh, my wife did actually. Um, knocked him straight out. So I he kind of slept on me for two and a half out of the five hours. So that was good. That was good. Very nice. Yeah. Well, sounds like you guys definitely lived up. Uh, you know the the martyr spring break and yep. Punta Mita. It was so, good. It was so good, good to, to find... have you back. It's good to be back. I mean. Uh, I think this is a perfect time to give a big shout out to all of our friends of the pod, FOPs. I love this. You know that that was the biggest thing last week is just missing all our friends of the pod and you. There's yeah, no I mean, there's no Tomas Reed in it, Mexico. You know, I appreciate that. I yeah. was actually felt like it was kind of something was missing last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really happy that you're back. I heard that you recorded a podcast, podcast with no microphones in your garage. Yeah. I, sad I, I was I was actually so rehearsing over and over because I knew I had to be on my A game today. Yeah. So, uh, first, and you are so far. Yeah, s- s- thank you. And I want to give out some shout outs to our friends of the pod Ryan Gladstein, Kenny Schmazel, Jimmy Taylor, Peter Francia. Peter Francia, by the way, drives to, uh, he, he lives in Raleigh and he's a professor, a PhD at ECU. And he uses our podcast to get him from Raleigh to Greensburg, North Carolina. Wow. And so he listens to the podcast. Big FOP, a uh, uh, big friend of the, uh, of the show. So, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Peter. We love, uh, you know, love your feedback. I mean, thank you for listening and telling all your buddies to listen. Um, John Bagley in Columbus. I think he has his whole t- team, his financial team, like, hey, this is a really good show. You That's great. Listen. So thank you, Brother Bagley uh, and, and all the uh, Beta Buckeyes. I really appreciate everything you're doing. John Tate in Miami, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Uh, Brian Cook and Casey McKinley down in Charleston, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and Rand Williams out here in Marina Del Rey. Love so this is, this is great. Yeah. I mean, we've, huge we've been, influence. We've been doing this a couple months, and obviously this has just been a revolution. 
Um, Which feels good. We, we could not have expected. We've had lots of support from people. You know, my buddy Brooke Billings, a local realtor, a uh, very tall, handsome man. So you probably see him walking around. We, like I will, I will post the podcast, and then I haven't even texted anybody. Within ten minutes, he's just like. Hey, I'm, you know, he's got thoughts on it, and he wants to come sit in the studio audience, which I think is a great idea. That's awesome. Right? And that, I love that. Love this guy. Everybody subscribe. My buddy uh, Jack Shea recently took a job. So Jack Shea and I were both close with... Uh, Michigan Stater. Big he, 10. He, he is a Michigan Stater. Casey Edgar, another friend of the pod. Love Casey. Love Casey. We got to get Casey in here. Yeah, oh, like absolutely. We have to get him in here. Yeah. But, you know, when you talk about friends of the pod, mm-hmm. there's one friend that is so meaningful to us. She's always listening. She's always. always texting us. Great pod. Love this segment. Which we love to hear. It feels great. But you know what's also great is that we know we can improve. And yes. I hope that today we can improve because we have the ultimate friend of the pod, Dr. Sarah Kersey. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sarah Kersey, ladies and gentlemen. You this too. Thank you for the invitation. This is a bucket list yeah. of mine <laughs> to be on a podcast and especially to be here with the two of you. Our families have known each other since our kids were in preschool, That's right. and it's a long it really time. It, so you have a lot it means a lot to us. me to be. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, it means a lot to be invited. So thank you both for having we, me. We talk about having a fact checker, but we are in a situation right now where Sarah could like fact check half of the. Yes, uh, so we we still do not have our intern, we but we also room. have you know a doctor in the, in we do in the room. That's. Yeah. So um, we're going to be put on our game today for yeah. for a lot of dad stuff. So. Look, this is all about trying to become better dads. And I think this show, we're all going to become not only better dads. And for our female listeners, I think they're going to become better parents as well. Yes. So uh, we want to thank our friends of the pod that are female because we do have a 25% listening rate. I think rate. it's actually higher now. See? Yeah. Well, now that Sarah's going to be on. Because I started posting on Instagram. Oh, see? There it is. Yeah. So we're hopefully getting up to the 30, even higher than 30%. Probably 50 Whoa! I don't know. That can't back that up. But no fact check there. No. But we, we we like where we're going though. I'd be great like to have it. a fifty percent listener that are female. That'd be awesome. We do like it. And Sarah, so it's an honor to have you here. Thanks. And and I I haven't told this story on the pod, but, but I have a son named Vetter. He's seven. He's dashing. And uh, we Best met because our, our yeah he's got great hair. Our oldest kids were in all three of us in preschool yep. together and martyrs and um. You know, we became friendly. I think I saw Mike, your husband, mm-hmm. and he looks like my brother-in-law. So I was like, I'm going to be friends with him. And then you made us that first year these pumpkin bars. Mm. And I don't eat. I honestly, I I worked at a bakery in high school. Like, uh, I don't eat baked goods. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> these are amazing. And and then a few months later, my son was born. I remember Mike came over and he brought your cinnamon rolls. And my wife, uh, God bless her, Amy, had had a C-section, and she's completely mm-hmm. knocked out. And this boy is just, it was like, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, and she's feeding him, you know. So I, Mike brings these cinnamon rolls, and she's just sitting, she just sits up and kind of like points to her mouth. So I'm like feeding her cinnamon rolls. <laughs> and then I just keep feeding her more cinnamon a rolls. A lifeline. It was a lifeline. <laughs> it was like, she's just pounding him. And the point of this story uh, is that you are my son's godfather, godmother, excuse me. Uh, Mike is the godfather, your husband, and it's partly because of your baking. Like it's just fan. Now you're you're a wonderful person, and we're gonna get into all that. But you, your baking gave you this just beautiful godson. Well, so it's, I, it's I appreciate good to it. know my purpose in your life, yeah. which is to feed you cinnamon rolls. And <laughs> it's so good. It, the interesting thing about that story is that it was eleven o'clock at night. One mm-hmm. of the things that I do to relieve stress is to bake, and. 
I like to bake a lot of sweets, and I like to give away a lot of sweets. Yeah, you're great um, at it. So I was making cinnamon rolls at 10 o'clock at night, and you just happen to be hanging out with Mike, and <laughs> and so there you go, right? So it's it's late night baking is a good stress relief. Let me tell you, <laughs> she is known as the Sarah Lee of Manhattan. She is. Sarah Kersey, though. I mean, yeah. so we are lucky enough, and I actually think one time Sarah dropped off some scones, oh. and I think she made her own fresh Blackberry Montana mm. jam. Yes. Mm. So we had scones and huckleberry. Huckleberry. Huckleberry I mean, from Montana. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. it was mouth watering. So good. I mean, thank you for your hobby because it's feeding Manhattan Beach and <laughs> it's it's the most delightful thing in the world. Um, I know everyone's a little thirsty, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break open yeah, something before we get into this. Let's go to our next segment. Something's brewing. Here oh, we go. Okay, when something's brewing, again, this uh, segment of something's brewing is sponsored by Shades Brewery out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Love it. Kenny Schmazel, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, uh, and his and his buddy Kurt, who Kurt sent us out some of these beers because um, he wants to keep on promoting it. He knew Sarah was coming on the pod, so he sent us out a very special sour ale, Ooh. and um, it sounds like oh, I don't like sours, and you're gonna like this one because. I had them, and they're ridiculous. This is a Shades Brewing out of Salt Lake City. This is a key lime pie sour ale. Do you think it's like a shandy? Um, or like a... We're about to find yeah, out. Yeah, that's really? a great question. I think a shandy doesn't... They're not as sour. Mm. So when you taste this, they're actually... It's like almost having a key lime pie, but in like That's a the beer. hardest question we've ever gotten on something's brewing. Again, you know, we're dipping... We're, we're got a dealing with like, in the house. Yes, I mean, yeah. so here we go. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Something's brewing. Good to have you. Here's the Cheers. Mother's, Mother's Day. Thank you. All right. Salud. Let's see what we think here. Oh, my gosh. That, mm. is, that is. That's summer. And it's definitely sour. That it's definitely sour. sour. It's like a, uh, a key lime sour patch kid, but in a mm. beer. Man, I like that. It's I mean, good. that is good. You could probably, you know, I'm sure that they have a different variety pack, but. Mm -hmm. For a nice, sweet, summer, cold beer, this is a fantastic beer. Wow. It has a nice finish that is a little vanilla, mm -hmm. I think, like a little creamy. This. It's really I good. I love it. It's really, for, it's re really refreshing. It's got, I can taste graham crackers in there. You know what? That's a key lime pie for you, you know? <laughs> so, mm. really excited. This is good. Um, something's brewing. Shades Brewery, key lime, sour. If you see it, get some Shades Brewery. So... We're lucky to have Sarah here today. Yep. I feel like we're going to learn a lot. Um, yeah. you Thanks, know, guys. Sarah, give us a little background. You know, where? Sure. Uh, you know, how did you get your way to Manhattan sure. Beach? Well, I was born and raised in Iowa, in a very small town. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawkeyes. And my grandfather and my dad both went to Notre Dame. Mm. And so, since like my dad, since birth, that was my destiny. And I never wanted to actually go there as a teenager because Me we always want to rebel against what our parents are doing, right? So um, then I went to a football game when I was a junior in high school, fell in love with the place. Done. Gorgeous. I yep. mean, if anybody has been to cheer, a Midwestern you know, football, yep. it's wonderful. So I went to undergrad there, and that's where um, I met my husband, Mike. He, Mike Kersey. He's uh, two years older than me and is a theater major. And he's 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. Actor. He's got yeah, a great hairline. Yep. And so I was taking a class where part of my class, I had to be um, backstage of the 
play that he was in, and I was in charge of the costumes. So part of my job was to take a lint brush to his jacket every single night. Oh, oh my gosh. And so that's how wow. we He must have loved that. You're doing met. it to this oh, day. Yes, oh, wait, that's, how, that's how he Mike, that's how I we love met. This. So so he and I have been friends since I was 19 and we were friends for 12 years before uh, we were involved and we've been married 17 years. So, so it's it, it, so it took you 12 years to Con- cave. It took me 12 it, that's what you he know. says. You know, it took it took 12 years, yeah. Does he put lint brushes in your stocking for Christmas? <laughs> I mean, like that to me would be the ultimate gift that keeps on giving. He should give you a lint brush for the rest of your life. I mean, uh, it's it is the gift that keeps on giving. Um but not for Mother's Day. Do not give your wives <laughs> lint brushes for Mother's Day. No, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into later. the gift. We should do later. a gift guide today. Is what <laughs> we should do. We should do so, a gift guide. Thank you. Yeah, so Mike and I um when I was in graduate school, he was here. Um he had relocated here to to pursue his acting career and I was finishing my dissertation and so I needed a place to study and so I came out here for the summer to finish my dissertation and then what year is this um 2005 okay so he proposed we got married um I was fortunate you were in in the LA area I I was in Michigan State at that point and we had a long distance Michigan State yes we had a long distance relationship for two years so I was going back and forth and back and forth I had like platinum miles from East Lansing to Los Angeles yes so I was on a plane every other week for two years good for you and for Mike Kersey (laughs) (laughs) absolutely the one I know absolutely he's the best (laughs) love of my life absolutely so So then I um, was fortunate enough to get hired uh, for UCLA in their teacher education program. And so I work with uh, beginning teachers, pre-service teachers who are seeking credentials and master's degrees to become elementary middle school teachers. So I've been doing that for the last 17 years and it's it's wonderful. I really love being at the university setting. I love working with graduate students and I love being in schools and being around kids and, and uh, thinking about how to really prepare the next generation of teachers for our kids. Well, I mean, what have you seen kind of change the most over the last 15 years about education? I mean, I noticed, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but like, you know, we were all acutely aware of our kids' homework during COVID because we had to help them do it. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm not a genius by any stretch. Um even like long divisions is hard for me at this point, but like just kind of the way they go about things is different. Uh, the way they grade kids is different, you know, versus how, you know, we used to do it. And, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think are like the biggest, I guess, positive and potentially negative changes in, in the since, education? Since team? COVID? Well, just even in the last like 15 years, I guess. 15 right? years. Like, I mean, that's, if you think about it's a we decade and a half, right? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a let, lot of, <laughs> let, let's just go the last five years that sure, five. like pre COVID to then COVID and then how COVID's changed learning. And teaching, because not only has the students have been impacted, I'm sure the teachers have too. Right, right. I think one of the biggest changes, especially in the last five years, has been really a focus in on social emotional learning. We're really focused in on helping kids understand their own emotions, helping kids understand that their emotions connect with their feelings and that their emotions connect with their behaviors, excuse me. And that they can be in, tro- in, in control of those behaviors. Right. And I think that that's not necessarily something that we were taught when we were kids, right? Like, not to the extent that it was today that we're really focusing on giving kids language for their emotions and helping them understand that they can connect those emotions to behaviors and make good choices than when they're feeling 
particular ways, whether it's anger, sadness, frustration. Right. Because, um, you know, when we were kids, we all had those kids in class. And like, you know, you had like a bully or you had like the the super quiet kid. And then maybe you had the kid acting out. Yeah, the class clown. Right. Yeah, I, the, which is me. But The super quiet, right. smart person. And then you had the super outgoing um, so there's a lot of different personality types that are that you're dealing with in but, every different type of edu- yeah. And you know. kids aren't natural; they're not lashing out just because they're jerks, right? Oh, of they're, course not. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, the behaviors that we see in the classroom are very often tied to the frustration levels and the motivation levels of the kids. Hmm. So students that are having troubles in classrooms, often we need to check in with them and say, "What's going on? Are you frustrated?" Do you not understand the material? Is something happening at home? Did something just happen on the playground with your friend and you're feeling sorts of feelings because that's the most important thing to you right now? So you can't concentrate on what's happening in the lesson because you're so upset that this thing happened on the playground with your friend. That's right? amazing. Wow. So, so that's what you're teaching these teachers so to ask the that's, students. That's one of the things that we're really focused in on now, I, I would say, in the last five years is really helping us understand how are the kids feeling? How are they showing up in our classrooms every day? And how can we create curriculum that they can put language to what they're feeling and, and really understand that connection between what they're feeling, that, that sort of social-emotional connection? How has the technology changed education today? Because I know that, mm. okay, <laughs> it was one thing that, like, for a while there was like, oh, growing up, if you had a computer, you were wealthy. Now it seems like every kid has a computer yeah. or tablet to use, if not donated by the school. I was very surprised that when COVID hit, mm-hmm. we had computers, but we weren't going to give up my work computer for my son or whatever. And they're like, well, we have tablets and computers for you to have already. And I was like, what? This is amazing. It was very accessible. But then kids are starting to, I mean, second and first, second and third graders are being taught now to use the computer to learn mm-hmm. right they're going on zoom my son at the end of like the year was teaching like you hold the space bar you can unmute yourself and mm-hmm. i'm like i don't even know these so they have little tips and tricks that i wasn't even aware about mm-hmm. so you know they're catching on like sponges there but you also then i think it was really hard for them to leave that atmosphere to go back into social an atmosphere mm-hmm. so i think that is great that you guys are teaching the behavior connection with that because I don't think I've ever was asked growing up if I was frustrated or why I do bad or something like that with, for my teachers. So I think that's really a difference in the education of teaching teachers mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. to deal with those types of kids. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that change into not just like the younger elementary schools, but kids that are getting older too? With technology? Yes. That's a really interesting question. You know, when I, when I started teaching... It was an overhead projector, right? Yeah. Right, like we there was no we maybe had Apple II E floppy disks. We were playing Oregon Trail, right? Like that's the Did education. Did you have a Ditto machine? Do you remember those? Yes, they were cold yeah. and like blue. Oh great. yes, yeah, for sure. Not great actually. And the interesting thing about technology that I saw in the last couple of years is really di- the disparity in communities. Some communities really have technology everywhere and other communities it's it was really challenging when the schools shut down they didn't have wi-fi they didn't have the devices families were sharing one device between multiple families there were there were families that would sit outside um of schools because that's where the 
Wi-Fi was and all the kids would go to school in the car because that's how they got connected. They weren't wow. able to get connected Man. at school. And these communities are so rich with with wanting their students to do well that they will do anything to have their kids succeed. Wow. And we saw that time and time again as families really struggled through the COVID, um, through the school shutdown. So the technology part is interesting. So a, a colleague of mine um, at UCLA, she does work in, in um, neurodiversity and, and dyslexia in particular. And she has written a bunch on what's better for kids. Should we be reading on screens? Should we have them read actual books? And her research shows that it doesn't matter. What's the most important thing is what you do with the thinking and talking about the text after you read it. So if you're really the good, if you're really good at reading online and you have more access to books online, read online. If you like to have a text in front of you, have a text in front of you. The medium doesn't matter. It's the message. It's what happens afterwards when we talk to kids about books, when teachers or parents talk to kids and, and really dig into those meanings. That's what's important, right? So, so I guess like, you know, if Lainey's reading on a screen, because mm-hmm. that's the easiest way for her to do it, mm-hmm. that's cool. As long as we're interacting, talking about it, what did you learn? Where do you think the story is going? You know, what do you think of the story? What are some good questions to ask, so. Sarah? That's a really good question, Tommy. Um, I think it depends on the genre that they're reading, right? So if you're reading a nonfiction text, if you're reading information about uh, Mexico, for example, <clears> then you can, you know, ask them. Um, about details that they see. What is this mainly about? Main ideas, right? If you're reading a fiction text, characters, who's the story about? Where does it take place? What's happening? Can you tell me something about the character? How would you describe him? Would this character be somebody you would want to be friends with? Why or why not? What in the text helps you understand that? That's great. Right? So the best thing that we can do is to really read alongside our kids, whether it's you read a page, they read a page, or when our students are older, being able to read books together and kind of having like a book club between you and your and your child. So, um, I like those you know. questions because, like you know, I know my again my my wife is much more interactive with those questions, and I'm just like, give me some high level stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. summarize. Like, for well, me. like he's like my yeah. son was reading the story about uh, uh, Milton Hershey. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and like where he came from. And he's like, oh, yeah. did you know that he sold his company for $5 million? And that was like earth shattering yeah. then. That's so amazing. You know? Tell me something yeah. else yes. you learned. And I was just yeah. like, but then I, it's the follow up questions that I'm really bad with as a dad. And I would love to get more, but I, I don't know. I mean, I should ask those more, but I don't know. And when am I pushing the limits that I'm kind of maybe I'm frustrating him if he doesn't know the answer? So it's like, I don't want to get him where he's like, I don't know that answer. And then I'm like, well, you didn't understand the thing. And I'm like, so how can I, as a dad, make those questions that I'm as intuitive as my wife? And I, I, can, I can tune in and ask those comprehensive questions where I'm not oh, like kind of pushing the child to be like frustration. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily being intuitive. This is a skill. Right. This takes a lot of practice to be able to read something with a child and know what to ask next. So give yourself some credit for wanting to be present with uh, Grayson and Peyton and, and wanting to be involved. And don't beat yourself up for not knowing the exact right question because there isn't 
necessarily an exact right question when you're a parent reading with a child. It's about involvement. It's about joy. It's about really having that bonding relationship time together. The question doesn't matter. It's the time mm -hmm. that you spend with them. Like, let the teachers be really involved in, in the, the in the detail questions, right? If you can say, so what's another thing? Just prompt him to keep uh. talking. What's another thing that you learned about Mil Milton Hershey? It, do you think there's a connection between the word Hershey and this thing you just got in your Easter basket that says Hershey on it? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's interesting. What is that, right? So just keep prompting them to keep talking, and then they will reveal more about what they read and what they learned. Yeah, because I think we all struggle. I mean, I, we feel like we're not doing enough. Right, sure. You know, we, we, it's, it's a horse race all the time. And so, like, I mean, I remember even when my kids were a baby and, like, my daughter was not very good at tummy time. And then Amy would say, like, well, you know, this other mom, like, her kid can drive and they're the same age or whatever, right? And it's, it's all just a big, yeah. you know, uh, it's a pissing contest is the wrong word, but I'll use it. And so, you know, you, you don't ever want to feel like you're failing your child because I'm not really doing the right thing for them to comprehend. But, like, I, a lot of the things that I worried about Lainey, she's 10, she's fine. Like she, she did it. She's at a different pace. Whatever we did to help her, Amy especially is like fine, but she, she enjoyed reading with us, which is probably right. more important than like, am I asking the right questions of it? We just got her to want to do that. And ultimately you have to put the relationship first, Right. that you can't criticize and nag and pick at a child's weakness, whether it is an academic weakness, whether it's an athletic weakness, whether it's my, maybe not having as many friends as you did as a child, right? Like, we can't pick at that. What we have to do is love our kids the way they show up to us right now, yeah. right? Because that relationship is going to be the most important relationship of their whole lives. And I think if we constantly criticize for them not measuring up to whatever ridiculous expectations we have of them in our heads, then they're going to see that tension. Right. They're not going to see that it's our love that is driving us to try to help them. Right. They're just going to see that, that tension between the relationship. Yeah. So right? providing that comfortable atmosphere and is you the number be one important thing. Yes. Yes. Just be patient. Everybody is going to progress. See, I'm not a patient guy. <laughs> and that, like, that's a fault of mine yeah. and a flaw. And yeah. I admit that. One of your very but, few. Um, I wish I could be as patient as my wife. Sometimes yeah. I'm not, you know, and so I might get frustrated more and yeah. very easily. So I need to work on myself yeah. all the time. And there's always room for improvement. Yeah. And what they need to hear you say is, you know what? I'm getting a little bit frustrated with this homework right now. Let's you and I go out and have a catch and we'll come back in 10 minutes. Hmm. Right. Like they need to see you say that it's OK to take a break when wow. they're frustrated because kids need to be able to do that. Too. Themselves. They need to be able to recognize, you know what, I'm getting super frustrated with this math problem right now. I just need to go outside and do something or I just head. need to take a break and well. clear my head and then come back. We are the models, right? So if we have those kinds of conversations with our kids, then they're more likely to say, Dad, I can't take this yeah. another minute. I mean, I, I just called, need to go I out. called yeah. you during COVID. Yeah. And, and, you know, Lainey, she was in fourth, she was in fourth grade mm -hmm. and it was some sort of math, I think. And she didn't do well on a test, right? And I called you and like we were getting nervous, like, oh no, she's not gonna go to college and all this stuff. She's in fourth grade. Uh, and you were like, listen, none of us are qual you are, but us as a collective. <laughs> we're not qualified to be teachers right now. We're all doing the best that we can. Like they're gonna be fine. Kids mm -hmm. are sponges. Mm -hmm. 
the last thing you can do is just get like super frustrated and get down on her because like this is a she's going to school on a freaking computer right now and she's doing her best and if you start adding stress to that situation she's going to retain even less mm -hmm. like it's okay you know and and that made me it made amy and i feel a lot better about this because like you know, we were we were all struggling with that right, right. like we we send our right. kids to school they come home we do a little homework with them um but this was just in our face all the time and then of course we're working and all those different things but like kids are going to be okay they're going to learn at their different paces and the last thing you want to do is just create a stressful environment for that. Right. And right, but that's also something that we went through together, all of us as parents. But we're and still we're, going through it, Tommy, right? But, like, but, but are we, though? I mean, like, because now the kids are back in school now, and my question would be, do you feel that the child, the student, the kids right now have changed in the, like because the, the atmosphere has changed? Of course they have, but they would have changed whether or not we would have had COVID because life goes on. Right. Like we can't expect that things are going to be the same if we didn't go through COVID. Right. They have had incredible experiences and challenges dealing with their mental health, dealing with academics, dealing with social, dealing with their physical well-being. Right. Like we're just coming to terms with the aftermath of the school closures, right? Kids yeah. are doing better this spring than they were a year ago. They're doing much better than That's they great. were two years ago. Right. But are we all the way back? No. no. But we yet don't know the resiliency of, of our kids coming out of this. Great word. Right? So it's, it's, it's a matter of understanding that they're going to get there. Yeah. Right? We don't know the pace. Some kids may be quicker than others. Some students may recover more academically, but may struggle socially. Some kids, their mental health may suffer for a while, right? So we just really have to know our students and we have to know um, their patterns to be able to understand is something not jiving with what I've seen in the last six months, the last eight months, because that's when the red flag comes. If we see a major difference between how they, how they are now and how they were a few weeks, a few months ago. Yeah. How right. can we identify the, and how can you help us as, as not only parents, but dads, especially, how can we identify those red flags? Cause, cause maybe I'm like, maybe I'm, um, have a blind eye to that, you know, frustration. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. no, come on, you can do it again. And like, come on, let's just think about it. I'm not giving that extra moment of like break where like you need to take a break. But like how like help us identify those red flags as a dad in school and in homework and mm -hmm. in extracurricular, like mm -hmm. all their activities, because it's 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 everything. Right. It's full circle. Not only the academics, but the extra the extracurricular activities as well. Yeah, I think, like I said before, if you are seeing a major change in behavior from the last six or eight months to what they are now, then that is gonna signal that something's up, right? So if your student is usually very easygoing, usually um, tries hard, likes school, has friends, and all of a sudden they come home, they're frustrated, angry, crying, having you know temper tantrums, doesn't wanna engage in anything, doesn't wanna be with the family, does, right? That's a change in... That's a red flag. That's a red flag. Yeah. Something's yeah. going on. Okay. Right. I need to check in. Okay. Right. Similarly, if they're going at a particular level academically and you see all of a sudden a drop, 
um, that's a good time to check in with teachers. That's an, a good time to check in with trusted adults at the school to say, how is how is it happening? Like, I'm not talking like one test. Right, I'm not right, talking right. like, you know, one paper or whatever. Like, if you see something that is a change in a, a change in what's been happening from before to what's happening now consistently, right? Um, I would say same with physical. And the physical stuff is hard, especially with athletics and, and how important athletics is around our community. Kids are going to have growth spurts. Kids are going to try out new sports. Yep. Kids are going to decide, you know, my friends hate soccer, so I'm not going to play soccer now. I'm not going to try, you know, it. the the social physical stuff is is sometimes a little bit hard that's more of a pediatrician kind of issue if there's something going on but sleep disruptions are a big thing wow. um eating disruptions are a good red flag like if they're eating a lot more if they're eating a lot less right but you know your students um and and you know your children and and i think that's that's the best thing is when your gut says that something is up Something is up, right? Okay. Right. You don't need to pinpoint this is exactly what it is. Because that is the but... most important thing, I think, as a parent. I know that I was very open with my parents, and I was very communicative with them. And that's my dream, is to have them be like, don't hold anything back for me. I'm not right. going to judge, and I want to help, and I just want to be there. Yeah. And th that's like the ultimate prize, is to have you know your son and daughter or your sons constantly, Dad, what do you think about this? And you know, what age do you think they start doing that? They are doing that from the very beginning when they see you communicate with your wife. They see the loving relationship that you have with your spouse and say, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think about that? How you handle conflict, how you talk with them about planning your day, planning vacations, make decisions. They're watching every minute yeah. of every day. And so the relationship that they're going to build with you starts by seeing the relationship that you have with your friends, with your spouse, with your family members, because they're mirrors, right? What they see is what they're going to try out, too, in their lives. So if, if you come to them and if you screw up and do something and you say, you know what? I made a mistake there. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I was really frustrated and I shouldn't have taken that out on you. That was my mistake, right? right? Repair, realizing that you've broken part of the relationship and then trying to repair it, like that Huge. goes a long way sure. too. I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm very good at, because um, I, I need to do this constantly, is just like sort of knowing when to apologize and mm -hmm. saying like that was out of line. And it's like, it's not like, game, you know, we're all rushing around or something. Maybe I say something that's like a little rude and it's, it's not like Amy's not going to get over it. It's just like, I don't want my children thinking that that's how you speak to your spouse, your partner, right? That's not how you treat somebody. Right. But but humans have emotions, yep. so you're going to make mistakes. But if you immediately realize, like, ah, oh, man, I, I'm sorry. I was just being a dick. I was pissed about this. And it's this. not even immediate, right? You could come back the next day and you say, you know what? I've been really thinking about how yeah. you and yeah. I communicated at breakfast. And that sucked for me, and I thought about it all day long, and, and I want to try to do better tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like, it, sometimes it, it's not immediate that we realize that our emotions didn't connect to our behaviors in the way that we wanted it to, yeah. right? And we can repair that whenever we realize it, right? You can yeah. repair that relationship five years down the road, ten years down the road. It's better, obviously, the, the quicker faster. you realize it, faster. right? I, but I but an apology foot, yeah. is never too late. I put my foot in my mouth all the time, and I wish I had that one back. So um, if there's anybody that knows, geez, Tommy. Oh. Tommy, you, you, you know? and I talk so much constantly well, that it's yeah. just the odds are we're going to be putting our foot in our mouth well, occasionally. especially me, but, um, you know, that's, a, that, 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 that's great advice. And, uh, you know, it, it makes me just uh, want to open up a little bit more. 
you know, instead of just kind of holding things back. And I should be more expressive to my kids, letting them know that I'm either super happy or I'm upset or I was frustrated. I did something wrong and, and showing them that like, ah, man, I shouldn't have said that. Like yesterday, for example, um, I was coaching and I was very passionate, my flag football team. And um, unfortunately, you know, I was saying like, oh, you know, you guys are stronger and faster than them. You guys are better. And that was just really bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, ju I just should have focused on you guys are strong. You guys are fast. But I shouldn't have put the er on the end of it. And I felt horrible all day today because I'm like, oh, man, as a not only as a coach, but as a dad, I'm sitting there yelling and all these parents are probably judging me. And I'm like, I got into the heat of the moment of a flag football We're team, even though they're in second and third graders. But it was just so wrong. And I'm like, man. Wish I could take that one back. But. And as a parent on the sideline watching all the dads coach all the sports, there is nothing but gratitude that we have for you all on the sidelines. Even when you say the wrong thing, even when you do the wrong thing, we, uh, I am so happy that my kids have coaches that care about them, that want them to be successful, that want to teach them sportsmanship, that want them to love being active with their bodies, want them to love competition, Right. Win the right way, lose the right way that, you right. know, I, I don't I don't care if you yell at my kid. Right? right. What I care about is that you show up for my kid. Right. Right. And we see how much you care. And so I, I don't I don't think that you should put that on yourself to be like so critical of, oh, my gosh, my, the parents probably hate me. Right. They don't like we are just appreciative that you're coaching. That's good to know. Well, lesson learned, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, it just now makes me a better coach, and it just makes me realize that, um, you know, I need to uh, say better things and not be screaming <laughs> up and down there, you know. <laughs> by, by the way, we, we, we did only give up one first down, so I was very happy about my defense. So anyway. The end justifies. Yeah. Love it. Um, <laughs> so uh, is there a thing going on with, like, the kids today in schools all across America, do you think that they're going to be okay, Sarah? Like, I mean, like, are there kids that are having outbursts because of what they just went through in all stages from elementary all the way going to college? I mean, are teens a little bit more, you got to keep your eye on your teenagers right now because they're a little bit more open to mental illness and especially with the bullying of social media and everything. Give us your take on like how we can keep our eyes out, watch those red flags to identify them as they grow older. Because like my, I have a nine and a six-year-old, so I'm in, I'm in third and first grade. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be much different for my buddies so that are having a, a junior in high school and, and an eighth grader going into high school, mm -hmm. you know? So like, and then those that are in college and then they couldn't go to, they had to take a whole university year and do it at home. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be hard too. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that and how can we identify with trying to help them be better people to the world? That's a big question. Mm. That's a big question. Well, we do have a doctor in the house, and wow. I know that you <laughs> come prepared, and you're just helping us open up to understand, become aware of what they're dealing with, because we're not them. We are our own selves, and we right. went through this already, but we are in a different time period. I mean, we definitely did not have, like, you know, these kids Thank aren't Thank God we did. Like, nationally, like, you know, Here's this thing maybe you feel bad about that you didn't do, but you can go open your phone and see right. 10,000 other people who said that they did it, and then you're feeling bad about it, right? It's not even like right. 
being bullied or whatever it is like locally like like right now i was at my friend's uh yesterday he was making bacon stan major friend of the pod friend of the pod and his he's got a, a senior and they're all trying to get into college and, mm-hmm. and you know he's he's pretty lucky his kid got in a lot of good colleges michigan included um but i'm sorry you know it, it's got to be the, just like a massive pissing contest right now right. for these kids and that's just yeah, added on to like you we you know we had our circle of friends maybe your high school like when we were trying to get into college for example but it's not just like in your face everywhere and then it's so competitive you know, now. we know even for you know like we you know for adults like instagram for example is just like nobody's posting on instagram when they woke up and they got an afro and they smell and they're like boy i slept like shit last night right it's always like Oh, look at my little kids, you know, in the dress or whatever. But then people look at that and then they feel bad. Right. But like we're at least, quote unquote, more emotionally developed because we're older. And you remember when you're a kid, when you're 15 and like I asked a girl to homecoming. I asked five girls to homecoming. They all said no. Jokes on them. But that is the most devastating thing you could possibly imagine happening, mm-hmm. right? Or somebody at school said you looked stupid today in the pants that you were excited about. Like, times a thousand is just what it feels like right now. Um, I'm not an expert on social media. And it's, it's you know, I, I know as much as you all do from all the reading that, you know, we can do about how mm-hmm. devastating it is, especially on teen girls self-esteem right like we can read all of that research ourselves that's not my area of expertise however i will say that it scares the living out of me yeah you can swear on this podcast um (laughs) i in answer to your question tommy are the kids going to be okay yes our kids are going to be okay and and the reason why i i really truly believe in my heart even with everything happening that our kids are going to be okay is because we care about our kids yeah, and we will do whatever we need to do to surround them with people that love them and nurture them and think they're amazing. And we will do everything in our power to help support them and whatever goals they have for their lives. Right. And, and I think the kids are going to be okay. I think that it's going to be a long, a long road for them for for their development to try to navigate everything they're having to navigate, right? Yeah. But is that a, a part a part of helicoptering parenting too? It's like, isn't that where like, are we part helicopter parenting? Well, I and mean, is that okay? It, you can call it like there's there's a whole bunch of different you know the right. helicopter tiger the tiger mom. mom like all that kind of stuff, right. right? I think it boils down to you know your kids, right? You like I'm not going to do my kids' homework for them, right? You're not going to do your kids' homework for them. Um, well, can you do your kids? <laughs> hey, no, I cannot. Sorry. That's a joke from a PhD. Um, yeah, anyway, so I, no, I, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, there's... I guess that's Notre Dame yeah. <laughs> making fun of... We should both shut up. Michigan yeah, and Ohio yeah, State. Yeah. Well done, Sarah. There's, yeah. a, there's a book out uh, a while ago that the title of it is called uh, The Blessings of a Skin Knee, right? And it's basically helping our kids learn how to fail early so that they can learn how to fail later. And I think that's what boils down to me understanding that the kids are going to be okay, right? Because we're going to really support them. But in order to support them, we have to step back and let them be who they are, right? Yeah. We can't live their lives for them. We are. We had our own shot at childhood. Yeah. Like, this is theirs, right? So 
we could philosophize for many more hours. Right, and that <laughs> that's a question I have here, and it was from this book that I actually uh, bought you, Chris. And I can't. I'm going to read it tonight. It's as parents, we create our children's norms. How do you expose your kids to the uncomfortable, hard stuff mm-hmm. in life? Mm-hmm. How do you get them out of the norms? Mm-hmm. Example: taking him with you to do the hard stuff, working around the yard. Things you're not excited about, but you have to do it. It's hard. It's work. It's hard work. And working with people sometimes, there's things that you want to do, and you have to show your children that you're doing this hard work at an early age so they understand that it's not always glorious, your work. So it's really hard. And so when do you start exposing your kids to these hard norms? From the beginning. As soon as they're ready to to take on some chores. Because I mean, you know, our, Jack our, and... our toddlers can can work with you to pick up their toys, yeah. right? Like um, my kids right now, when they become ten, they do their own laundry, right? Wow. Like we have set up different milestones that you know they can set the table. They have other things to do, like they reel out the garbages, wheel in. Like you have to give them responsibilities. And that's what fuels self-confidence, and it also helps them understand that they're part of the family unit. Sure. Amy's always appreciated, and part of this is necessity for you, right? Like, you're driving to Westwood every day. Mike's doing auditions. Your your kids have got to do some Mm -hmm. housework Mm -hmm. uh, to just keep this thing moving, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember, like, we went over for Easter one year or something. Jack was probably six, and um, he just cleared the table. And uh, it's amazing. I'm just like trying to make sure my kids don't light themselves on fire or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was really amazing and it was admirable. And they're so polite and they're always picking up after themselves. And I think that's, you know, something that we're really we've got to do more of. You know, my kids set the table, they clear the table, but the boy will be on the couch with one shoe on, wanting water. You know, and I don't want to like drop the hammer on him, but you know, understand like you know how to get water. So if I don't get it for you, you're not gonna you're not gonna you know, die of thirst. I mean, it's, it's the division of labor, yeah. right? Like everybody has a role to play. And yeah. what what is your role? I mean, when you think about your family as kind of like an organization, everybody has a job to do. And what yeah. is what is your, what can you do as a three-year-old? And you should do those things. What can you do as a 10-year-old? You that's should great, do those things. Yeah, that's a great way to think about right? it. Right, like to, to really... What can you do to, to help to, out to, with the team? Right, to, to really the think about lead. it that way. We, we that. have a lot of checklists in the house, right? Like, here's your, here's <laughs> it, your checklist before you have... Are they visual? Like, do, do the kids see the checklist? Yes. So they, and yes. do they get gratification checking that off? Yes, because I won't let them have a show until they're listening. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. I think I that's that. so great. I mean, we, and that's, that's, that's their thing. They love to have screen time. Kids love to have screen of course. time. But here's your list of 10 things that you have to do, you know, including, like, have you said something nice to your brother? This is, we've got sibling rivalry happening right sure, now with a 10 and 11-year-old. Have you done something nice for your brother? Have you done something helpful for your mom today? You know, have you figured out, um, you know. this. Did you change the oil? Did you change the oil? Yeah. Right? Did you, so <laughs> my son is. Did you seven. get your thank you notes written from your He's birthday two months ago? You know, this is this so. is what we need here. This is like what we need to hear as dads is to be reminded of this, you know, because I hear it, you know, and my wife's great at like you know helping me become a better dad to be like, hey, you know, we should ask them to do things. My like, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we try to make do little chores, but I never ask them what can you do. Right, and I've always told them what they need to do. 
Right. And you could make a list of here's some of the things that we do and everybody picks two. Right. And so right. that's your job for the next three weeks. And then we'll make another list and you can pick a different two. Right. Like my son loved to empty the dishwasher and that's what that was his Holy job crap. for a while. See, I'm too afraid to break the now dish. Now he like <laughs> now he's into like I would rather do the gar- bring the garbages in on Tuesday. Right. So it's it's a matter of you and and your your partner getting together and then figuring it out and being consistent. We don't have the right set of things that we do with the kids. Right. Um, you know, we screw up and we reorganize everything and I freak out on the daily. Right. But, <laughs> but what we do is we get up and try again and, and we figure out like whatever we're going to do. Consistency is what's, is what's going to make it work. Do you find that the reward to the children is the greatest part of that? So that way they know that at the end of the chore, the hard stuff that we're asking about, there's happiness to that. Like the completion, like people who run marathons, they train, train, but the whole finishing, going through that finish line is the most rewarding part. Not even your time. Yeah. Time is great when you get can be competitive with yourself, try to break it, but just finishing is so rewarding in itself. That's kind of like doing your chores, right? You, the hard stuff, the stuff that you don't want to do. Right. Bring in the garbage cans you know but when you do it it's done you're like yeah I, I did something you check it off and to me that's like the most rewarding thing mm-hmm. in the world i love my checklist it can I, also, I still make them to a day yeah it can also be about like what motivates you you know right now what's motivating the boys is their screen time yeah but what motivates me is not having you know a dirty bathroom right, right. Like, sitting <laughs> for two seconds like with you three know, boys y- yeah. you know to be able to know that like the four of us are going to clean the house in 35 minutes and then we can all relax, right? Rather yeah. than me trying to do it all by myself. And there's a lot of days when, when everything breaks down and I do have to do all of it by myself and it sucks when I complain and whatever. But um, when everything is working smoothly, it's nice that everybody feels included. I love it. This has been fantastic. We're going to go right Uh-oh. into our... Uh, I know what that bell means. Food, booze, and schmooze. Love this. Um, so, Tommy, I'm thirsty. Yes, uh, I'm going to uh, show myself to the fridge. Yes, please, please do. So, Sarah. Yes, you're obviously known as the, you know, the Sarah Lee of Manhattan Am Beach I? in I the South Bay. I think you only call me that, Tommy. Well, you're Sarah Kersey. You do have the <laughs> best baked goods ever, but I also hear that you're also the queen of sous vide. I am obsessed with my sous vide. Let's talk about that. Yes. Give me some sous vide tips and tricks that. I bought it. I have the Novo sous vide. I've not used it, and I don't oh, know. Life changing. Life changing. I mean, like, yes. do you just, can I just take a chicken breast and put some marinade in it and throw it in a sous vide in a Ziploc bag, or does it have to be a certain bag? So I really like the stasher bags. So those are silicone, and you can get them at Target. You can get them online, whatever. Um, they're they're a little bit reusable. Dishwasher. Oh, wow. wow. So I, love that. I the. When I first started using a, the sous vide circulator, I felt terrible environmentally for throwing away all of the Ziploc bags that I was using. So my brother, who also, um, he's the one that introduced me to the sous vide, he suggested that I use the stasher bags. And so now I just put the chicken with the marinade in the stasher and then put the whole thing right in the circulator and then just let it cook i would not be able to survive we wouldn't have dinner six nights a week if i didn't have a sous vide because it is so flexible and you know you two are like barbecue geniuses i appreciate you for noticing that was not me but the sous vide circulator really helps me 
be more confident, especially with expensive cuts of meat, good steaks. It just steaks. takes out all the stress. It takes out all the like stress because you know, especially like if you're doing a tenderloin or if you're doing a tri-tip and they're different thicknesses, you know that the whole thing can be perfectly yep. rare coming out of the sous vide and then you throw it on the grill and you do the fancy, you know, sear, sear and then it's and perfect done. every time. Perfect I mean, I called, every time. I called Andy Norman a couple weeks ago. Right. Front of the pod. Front of the pod. Because we were in a jam and I had some frozen uh, tenderloin tails. Right. That we got from Don't Rocker Brothers in the freezer. Yeah. Really? I didn't even thaw them. sous vide? Did not even thaw them. Just threw them right in the sous vide yeah, for that's three and a half hours. Yeah, you have to and then put nope. it in. Tommy, I do my Thanksgiving turkey in the sous vide. Yeah. Wow. It's a big bucket. Just the turkey breast is only the four of us, but oh, still. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm going in the woods this week. I'm going camping. I should have mentioned that during Three Dubs. I'm going camping this weekend, 8,000 feet up near Big Bear. We've been going for 20 years. We haven't gone in a couple years because campgrounds were closed. Uh, I'm making my Chick-fil-A style chicken mm-hmm. sandwiches. I'm going to brine the chicken Wednesday night. I'm going to sous vide all of it Thursday night, throw it in the fridge, throw it in a cooler, take it up there, deep fry for a minute. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. If, What's your go-to meal? If you're, if you're going to have a, another couple over in their family, what are you making, Sarah? Meat, pork, chicken? My favorite thing is uh, pork tenderloin with mm, a Carolina Gold barbecue sauce, like love a mustardy on, the, on the pork. From Joe's? Tra- Carolina Gold? Or you make your own? Um, if Chris makes it for me, that's my favorite, but that's I, do, a hint. I gotta write that down, but I do like the Trader Joe's one. It's delicious. Hint. So, so pork tenderloin that. is my favorite. I, I just put a little bit of the gold barbecue sauce in with the pork in the sous vide uh-huh. and then put more barbecue sauce on it when I sear it at the end. So you don't even put it in the oven ever. Never. No, nope. so super hot grill. It, it yeah. comes out and then you just pan sear it at the end. No, hot, super hot grill. Super hot grill. So you, you can pan sear it. You can, yes. Like a minute on each side at the end of it? A minute or two, yeah. Oh, wow. So we have our sous vide covered. We got sous vide um, covered. And we have the baking goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you asking for? I always like this segment called Power of the Ask. What are you asking for that's so ridiculous that it could become reality? Can I just have a hotel room to myself? <laughs> Wow, that that actually sounds I mean, ridiculous. That, that that's not ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but it could be very real. How long can you possibly that leave Mike at home by Mike? himself? Is that a Mother's Day gift, or yeah. so, so is it like you want be the, like Lord you, of the you Flies, like the Terranea by yourself? Just with the me, massages? just me, and like a super fluffy robe and a and, and a book <laughs> and a bottle have of you, champagne. Have you picked yeah. the exact date no. that you would like this? No, no. I've always I've always wanted to do this, like a super high end. Hotel, mm-hmm. just me, hanging out, room like, service, Like the Four Seasons view. of Montecito. You try, like drive that. up there for yep. the day, and yep. you just... It sounds like thing. you would even yeah. do the residence in at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no no problem. I got no problem with the residence Across from Grunions. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something about alone time. You know, I, I feel like I'm an introvert, and I really enjoy um, some quiet. Really yeah, enjoy some um, quiet. There is no quiet with three boys in the house. A husband and two sons. There's no quiet. Can I ask? I, I brought this up earlier, but uh, you know, we were all in Mexico. Well, not all of us, but mm-hmm. a few of us. And you know, you're definitely like you want your wife to have a good time on this trip. And so, what are some of the things? You know, I feel like I'm fairly astute, Tommy, as well. On like, these are some things we can do to kind of help the wife out, and uh, you know. But a lot of times, we we're doing stuff. You know, Amy will say to me like. 
you know, I'm like, why are you so grumpy? Like, I just took the kids for four hours. And she's like, well, I didn't want you to take the kids. I wanted us to do something together. Or I would have rather you stayed here because I wanted to, you know, work. And I was like, oh, okay, I should have asked, you know, for example. But, like, what are some things, I guess, for you, um, you know, some of the best things that can be done to kind of give you a break or, or you know, give you support mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. versus, like, maybe you know, us trying to guess. And you just answered your own question, to be honest with you. Oh, good. Because right, let's move on. The <laughs> setting so of the expectations is the most important thing, right? So expectations, like, they're just resentments waiting to happen, right? So if you can go on a vacation and a couple of days before you can say to each other, well, what are some of your hopes and thoughts Guys, that you would that. like for this yeah, trip? But- and so she can say, I would really like to do this and this and this. And you can say, well, I would really like to do this and this and this, right? Some people say that that kills mm. the spontaneity, but I don't think that's true because if you know what she wants and, and you know, and she knows what you want, then you can say, okay, let's figure out when to do this. And then we have all these other days to just say that. And then in the morning, how did you like the day to go? Mm. How would you like this evening to go? See, that's right? much easier like, for like me. It's so much better to communicate before than to have to communicate after. and and fix and repair oh. after, right? Those resentments, because it's not just me thinking about what's going to happen, but it's also playing the movie in my mind about how people are going to react to situations, right? What are they going to say? What are they going to do? How are things going to happen, right? And so if, if I can be able to have a space where I can say what I need and what I want, and you get to say what you need and what you want, then everybody can figure that out. And we ask the kids that too. When we go on vacation, you know, we're going to go to Montana for six months, six, six months. I six guess. months. You got to <laughs> tell me go, this ahead of time. We're going to go for about six weeks, right? Like, Luke, what do you want to do when you're there? Jack, what do you want to do when you're there? Well, Parrish needs to come visit. Exactly. Yeah. Tommy needs to come visit. And so we can just clarify all of that so that the resentments don't build up. Right. But you know that men don't normally ask questions like that sarah like it's hard for now us. they will after this listening yes, to this, this podcast tommy you. now they will yeah, you're right because i'm like this is life-changing <laughs> like i feel like you're talking to me i'm like i need to i need to ask more questions but i never do my wife's so great about like doing all these fun things and i never say what would you like to do yeah i wish i could do that now i will or i'll try to try to remember to that's great advice well and i i don't don't ever ask my kids that either i'm like we're gonna do this today and we're gonna do that today because like i know that we're already doing that right how do you want the night to go right especially a a lot of times everybody is so busy the after school nighttime thing can be a disaster right and then talking to your family when it's calm and saying this isn't working, folks. Like, how do we figure this out? What do you need for after school? Well, I need to be left alone for a little while, and then I need a snack, and then I need to go to practice. Well, what do you need? Well, I need 10 minutes to finish my emails before we have dinner, right? And then if everybody knows what we need, then we can create a, create a space yeah. where everybody gets their needs met. I mean, it's amazing how historically communication. annoyed I've gotten at my wife who's asking me for something. And all I literally need to say is just, I got to send five emails just give me 10 minutes and then you have my undivided attention. Yep. That is so much more productive than me being just ornery. Yep. Right? And uh, I think a lot of times men believe that when, when women talk about communication, they mean give us your deepest, darkest feelings and secrets. Right. Like that could be a part of it, but I think communication just means tell us what you're thinking right. about how you want things to go. 
That's right. a great. Right. Tell us you that wanna... you want. I want to get up at seven, and I want to go on my run, and then I want to be able to sit and have my coffee, and then I'd love to be able to go to the pool. Well, what do you want? How do you want you know? things to go tonight? What a simple question. We are so. Dumb. I've never even asked. We're so dumb. How do you? How do you want things to go tonight? I think I just learned something that's going to be valuable to my life. I mean, seriously. I, I, I mean, I, I can't wait to watch you. Have you right. ever done that? I'm getting better at it. So, so, the, so the answer is no. I have. I haven't. It. Like, how do you want things to go? Tonight? I mean, look, I I get up and I do my exercise. Or I'm going to go run or do this or whatever. But then, like, like Amy likes to go for a walk, or like, literally, sometimes she just wants to sit with her husband, and she'll come downstairs. And, you know, on the weekends, as soon as she sits down, I get up, I'm going to clean or whatever. And she's like, what are you doing? We just relax. I'm like, no, because I wasn't raised to relax. Like, right. I love my mother. Rest in peace. But, like, no one was relaxing. If you were sitting, then you weren't doing something else. If you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> Amy, like, Amy can do the dishes because one of us has to. And I can be sitting and she's fine with it because, like, we're there. But I can't. It's really hard for me. If she's doing something, then I got to be doing something, or else I'm going to feel guilty because I'm not doing something, right? And and how do you want things to go tonight? How do you things? How do you want things to go on this vacation? Dawn's going to have a great week. Man, this is fantastic. Yeah, um, Sarah. Since it's Mother's Day coming up, give us some good advice for dads because it is all about the mom, and the mom is the reason why we have such amazing families and, true. and they are the glue to the family. Um, give us some, like, what do you want to do for your mother's day? And, and like, what, what can we say to Mike right now? What to, explicitly like, be do you want for mother's day? This is your forum. I want to back up just a second Uh-oh. because you answer Tommy, your own question. Cause all you have to say to Don is what do you want to happen for mother's day? And then whatever she says, you do it. Don't pretend that you know that she wants this or this or this or to go to a particular restaurant or to have her kids give her a pedicure or whatever. Like, ask her what she wants and how she wants her Mother's Day to go and then make that happen for her. I'm asking that tonight. Right? So a lot of us have a lot of unmet expectations about Mother's Day because nobody ever asks us (laughs) what we want, how we want the day to go, right? And so I think also women have a hard time saying this is what we want because we don't want you all to be upset when what we say is, I just want to be at the house by myself. You take the kids, bring me a cocktail and dinner at about five 30, but you take the kids and go (laughs) do whatever. And you know, so clean the house, hire somebody to clean the house. Then, you know, your partner and gets get to, out of the house. and then get out of the house with the kids, right? Because yeah. because the house, the house has to be clean. Because if it's not, then they're then, gonna feel right. like they've got to clean the house. Right. So clean house, kids out, and then like some alone time, some alone time, and then bring her back her favorite like whatever a cocktail dinner, champagne, or whatnot. Whatever, yeah. But if that's not what she wants, maybe she wants to go out to brunch. Maybe she wants right. a whole day at the beach with the family. Like who's to say? But you got to ask. Yeah, I mean, I've got friends who like you know, my friend Shane, where his wife. They got three kids and like three friends, Mother's Day. I just want to I want to split for eight hours and come back to a clean house. You know, whereas Amy, especially when she was driving to an office, she didn't want that. She wanted to like be around the family. She didn't want me to send her to a spa for two and a half hours. She just wanted right. to be around. It's very subjective and there's no right or wrong as to whatever. No, you just got to ask. Wants. Right. And that's the hard thing that dads do is that yeah. we don't like to 
Like, no, I, like, I can ask you any question, but yeah. it's really hard to sometimes ask your wife a question. It just, yes, I will spend Mother's Day with you if you're asking me. <laughs> uh, this be. is awesome, Sarah. Um, okay, so we're getting into that part of now, like, we thank you, and I hope Mike does that for you and has a clean house and leaves you alone and 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 he comes back i think with mike's a nice coming dinner, over here on mother's day you know um it's, it's great mike i'll cook for you this is the part of the show where we get into our um dad parent wisdom where we love to try to you know help us become better dads and this whole podcast today this is probably the best podcast we've ever done because we're getting better as dads the whole podcast one of the best parts of being a dad or a parent is the gift of life experiences. Kids won't remember the gift that they got on their 10th or 11th birthday, but they will remember an experience. Hmm. What kind of life experiences do you expose or want to expose your kids to that matter? I think that's a really, really good question. I'd love to hear what you say because as, as a dad, um, I just heard that like, Yes, they're they're, they're going to want this Roblox twenty five dollar gift card for their next birthday. But you know what? They're not going to remember that no. in five years or twenty they're, years in from now. Ten weeks, they're not going to remember. So, five weeks. what life experiences do you put onto your kids, mm -hmm. to your boys, mm -hmm. and as as a dad or a parent, what should we be thinking about to give those life experiences to our kids? I love being outside. And anytime, especially on vacations, when we can go and, and be outside together and do things together, that's my favorite thing. Um, we spend a lot of time in Montana and we hike and we kayak and, you know, we mountain bike. And those are my favorite times that we get to be together and we get to talk. My youngest doesn't really like to hike. <laughs> and so we found the set of questions that it's like a deck of cards. And so he pulls out one and it's like, what is your favorite breakfast cereal? And then the four of us talk about breakfast cereal for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then the next one is, if you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go and why? And then we talk about vacations. And so it, it helps him have something to do while he's hiking. Um, and it also helps us to get to know each other and just talk about things that might oh, never come up, right? Yeah. So for me, it's being outside. My dad has such a love of being outside. I've always loved to and be outside. And this is his place in Montana, right? Where right. you guys are staying. Yeah, you're oh. And it's, it's just to have that experience of connecting family and joy and the outdoors. Um, that's really important to me. I love it. I love it. What's it... Um I'm just going to ask because I want I and I'm I'm not being funny right now. I'm I'm going to be a little bit funny. That's my nature. But he's going to listen to this someday. My son. What's it like being a a godmother to just a handsome devil? It's my most favorite thing, other than being a mother. <laughs> I love it. Um, I hope one day that Vetter will remember that every Christmas I've given him cinnamon rolls. <laughs> it is the his, best as his so Christmas just to, present. To, to paint right? a quick picture, every year for Christmas we get uh, a nine by. 13 uh, of frozen cinnamon rolls mm -hmm. that you have made. Mm -hmm. Put them in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And then we have instructions. We get a little note card. So the frosting goes in the fridge. <laughs> and then the night before, we take it out. We put a towel on it. I get up early. I turn the oven on. Kids are opening presents. And all of a sudden, it is the greatest fucking smell that you have ever smelled. And this is part of the deal legally that we get every year because yep. you are his godmother. You know, I love to give gifts. Yeah. I don't and know if that's my it. love language or, or whatnot, yeah, but great. I think about Vetter and I think about my relationship with Vetter and, and over the years so far and how it will grow. And 
I feel like those cinnamon rolls are the one thing that I can give him that nobody else can. Literally nobody and, else can. And when I think about giving gifts to people, I like to think about what is something that I could give them that maybe nobody else can. And that's why I love to bake so much is because I feel like for me to think about, you know, Tommy, I know that you really like this particular kind of cookie. So when I'm coming over to your house, like I'll make that for you. Yep. Right. Like that's that's what's important to me in building relationships is knowing somebody so well that you can give them something that they might not do for them. Yeah. Themselves. Like my friend Ryan, like I, I make the barbecue sauce. I make mm -hmm. like he loves the barbecue sauce. Like in our fridge, Amy had a drink saved for four months from Tommy's house of your cinnamon old fashioned. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I am a sucker for a good apple pie. So <laughs> anytime you want to make an apple pie, okay. I, I am that. deep dish. Um, do you like the crumb top or do no, you like the no. crust top? Cru just regular. Regular. Crust. I don't like crust. all of that crumb. You don't like the crumble no, on no. the top. Okay. Nope, okay. Don't like any of that. Putting in our orders okay. now. You know. Okay. Um, I can do it. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for thanks, Tommy. Thanks, for, Chris. Uh, bringing your cerebralism into our podcast, making us better dads. Thank you for all your wisdom. Um, great advice being a parent, looking for the red flags, and just you know being more communicative um, with our children and showing them it's okay to take breaks and that you're, you know, because they're going to be just like us. Um, I can say so that I feel things. better. I mean, I, I already have like a top 10 list. That's so great. And listeners, please, you know, send us your thoughts, you know, when we uh, post on Instagram and send us an email at dadsnightpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Tommy, what's our Instagram handle? Dad's Night Podcast. Please like us. Um, share our episodes on Apple, on Spotify. Uh, we thank everyone for listening. I know it's uh, not easy to do at times, and we thank you for being loyal to us, friends of the pod. We love the friends of the pod. Appreciate you. We appreciate our beer sponsors, and most importantly, you know our friends of the pod that are able to come on, shed their light to help us just become better parents. It's just the greatest thing in the world, and we thank you for your support. Um, it means so much to to Chris and I, and we love that you're. Uh, on here and hopefully you can come on here a lot more because it's so great to get a woman's perspective about being a parent and helping us become better dads and we appreciate just any advice just as a good person and that's what I think it's all about um, well we're all in this together and I that's think true. that's one of the wonderful things about our community is that we really support one another and we support our kids all together so thanks you too love you guys you guys are welcome we love uh, you too I love it uh, well everyone thanks for taking time to listen to dad's night podcast Please like and share with a friend or two or a hundred. And uh, for anyone else who thinks that they would enjoy this ridiculous banter, because after <laughs> all, Dad's Night is where ridiculous becomes reality. Thank you, everybody. Right.